0: Welcome to Couch Potato Theater here on the Fandom Podcast Network where we celebrate our favorite movies. You may own your favorite movies digitally or on physical media. However, when they air on cable TV or land on your streaming channel, you love what you're watching so much, you can't get off that couch. And that's the definition of what our show is all about. My name is Kevin, and I'm going to be one of your hosts for the special Couch Potato Theater Live. And we are proud to celebrate Wimbledon 2004, and I'd like to introduce my guests, of course, as always, or my co-hosts, my shenaniganers first, and of course, always is my uh, you know brother from another mother, founder, co-founder of the Phantom Podcast Network. Please welcome Mr. Kyle Wagner. What's going on, buddy?
1: Actually, that's Kyle. Kyle Wagner for you. Um, <laughs> and, and, and just for you, you're hosting this podcast. I went ahead and put 20 quid down uh, for your opponent just to keep the rhythm right and keep not mess with not mess with fate or anything like that. So you don't, don't feel, feel bad or guilty man. I'm just trying, I'm just I'm just looking out for you.
0: <laughs> understood. And with us, as always, uh co-host, of course, with us on the fandom podcast networks time warp is the queen of movie foo herself, Lacey Aderhall. What's Woo! up? <laughs> How y'all doing? Good, good. How are you? Welcome, welcome, by the way. And um, we're talking uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of tennis here. Kyle, yes, what's um, up?
1: I just wanted to to tell all the listeners out there, the people watching us on YouTube might be listening to the audio podcast. I apologize if my inner monologue gets very loud during this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyle has a very loud inner monologue, Yes. Well, uh, we, are, we are discussing Wimbledon. Uh, came out in 2004, and as of, as of this recording, it is 20 years old. Wimbledon, a great tennis movie. First talking here on the Fandom Podcast Network. Kyle, before we get into other things here, I want to have the Valentine's Day discussion. And look, Lacey, what you got going? You got the Blu-ray and the DVD.
2: Yeah, when I found out we were going to do this particular movie, I, I had a, a DVD, but I looked it up on Blu-ray, and there's a commentary on the Blu-ray.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, which is that the is that the director and Paul Bettany, right?
2: Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's um, also I, in
0: the DVD too.
2: It's on the, it's on the, the did, iTunes extras as well. Oh, right on! Very cool. So I got the the um, the update <clears throat> because I just got my 4K and my Blu-ray was looking a little bit grainy. So, I updated it so I could watch it, and it really did feel like it was in the stands. Uh, Yay. Um, But uh, the commentary was definitely worth the listen. And it also um, might settle that conversation that y'all are arguing over, whether it's a a voiceover or an inner monologue.
1: (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that later.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, uh, we're recording this on Valentine's Day, Uh, usually when upcoming holidays come up on the Fandom Podcast Network schedule we like to uh, do something that's, uh, you know, that kind of fits it. And, and, you know, we did a a Christmas movie recently. We'll talk about that in a second. But Kyle, when we were discussing what we were going to do with Valentine's Day, because I think last year we did Deadpool. It just Mm -hmm. felt right. And we did a Deadpool one. But this was actually your idea. But what's funny, though, you and I have talked about this movie before. It's a personal favorite of ours. But what made you decide to make it, you know, this would be a good one to do on Valentine's Day live culture or, you know, uh, here on, um, you know, Couch Potato Theater well, Live.
1: Let's rewind. About three years ago, we started a Valentine's Day Couch Potato Theater tradition. Um, the first go around was actually kind of an anti-Valentine's thing, Kevin tradition of Cobra. Watching it every Valentine's Day. Have you watched but, it, hold, yet today,
0: Kevin? On. What's so funny is I have had this Blu-ray out for a few days because I've done this. I've watched Cobra on Valentine's Day for like the last ten years. More it. on that later, <laughs> but That's
1: yeah. Awesome. And then of course, last year we did dead, the original Deadpool live. And then this year, you know, we we were talking about it. Well, let's try to maybe do a romantic, do something with a little romance. in it. We wanted to do a romantic comedy. We didn't, didn't want to go out with a full romantic thing. And Kevin and I have both talked about this movie. And the thing about Wimbledon is yes, it's a little bit of a romantic comedy, but it's just such a fun movie. It's a great performance by Paul Bettany. It has an amazing cast in it, too. But what, what, what's so great about this movie and what makes it such a great Valentine's Day movie, yes, it's got a little bit of the romantic comedy, but this movie in its, in, of a, in of itself has a ton of hearts. I mean, yeah. the, the, there's more than just the romance between Kirsten Dunst and Paul Bettany's characters. You've got the people who play his, uh, uh, Paul Bettany's parents in this film and their relationship You've got kind of an interesting father-daughter dynamic relationship between Sam Neill and Kirsten Dunst, and even the um, best friend relationship between um, Paul Bettany and...
0: Just say Jamie Lannister. Lannister. Yeah, just no, say just Jamie Lannister, because Gen- I, I can't Lannister, remember yeah. how to pronounce his last name.
2: Nikolai Kostarvaldo. There,
1: there, we'll let Lacey do it. She even does <laughs> the proper accent, because she is the queen <laughs> of movie food. But this just felt like something, you know what, it's not super sappy heavy on Valentine's Day. It's a lot of fun, and I thought what a great time to actually cover this movie on the Fandom Podcast. Lacey,
0: your thoughts on Wimbledon um, and doing this on Valentine's Day? Do you think it fits? I think,
2: I think you're right. It does have kind of all of the different possibilities when it comes to relationships. Uh, Favreau is, uh, Favreau's character is divorced. Betty and Kirsten Dunst are in the middle of, like, uh, you know, that kind of the fresh romance. You've got McAvoy's character who's just, like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, let's just call him a hound. Uh, he's a
1: wanker. He's a wanker. He's well, a wanker.
2: <laughs> he's just, he's, he's, he's not, we'll just say playing the field. Um, you've got the parents who are in the middle of, you know, um, potential separation. Separation,
0: yeah. yeah. You've got
2: his or her parents who, who um, that's a. I, I believe he's a widower, right? Um,
1: no, they split. Yeah. They split. Her parents. Just
2: split. Split. Yeah, I can't. Remember. Yeah. So there is a. That he's divorced. Um, so there's a lot of different. Kind of uh, possibilities in there a lot of
0: different yes. relationships to look at yeah I-, I thought it was a good call kyle this is uh th- this is one of our favorite uh, romantic comics. it's not like kyle and i have watched it together but i would watch it together with you kyle in the same room so i'm just saying you know maybe we can and head I over to Lacey you to hold the popcorn what, that's fine yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll head over to We'll head over to Lacey's. We'll just do a whole Wimbledon thing. That'd be great. But yeah, this, this movie has a lot of charm and I think it's highly underrated to be honest with you. It's one of these films that I think that needs to get more on the rotation and, and uh, be seen out there and talked about, especially now that it's 20 years old. It's it's hard to believe, but yes, it is. And we'll get into more of that later. Uh, Of course, this is the fandom podcast network. And we've got some other fun shows that we recently did on couch potato theater, uh, things that have arrived and that are coming here on uh, FPN. And, of course, coming up, we have Cash Potato Theater Rockstar 2001. We'll be doing a crossover with our hair metal podcast on the soundtrack. And then, Kyle, you've got uh, Cash Potato Theater Pacific Rim we're going to be talking about. And the Godzilla Minus One. And Kaiju Monsterverse discussion is coming, too.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm that's taking a little longer because I'm a little busy in tax season. But it's also, too, insurance is expensive and they're really hitting me. Hitting me hard with that for this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: recently, we did *Couch Potato Theater* payback. I had, of course, Lacey on as well uh, with my co-host of uh, Blood of Kings*, our Highlander podcast on the network, um, Lee Fillingsness, and we discussed both the uh, uh, director's cut and the theatrical cut. And as I mentioned earlier, we did, of course, our Christmas movie. Couch Potato Theater celebrating its 25th or 20th anniversary at the time as well uh, was uh, Couch Potato Theater Live holiday special was ELF. And that was a lot of fun. And of course, uh, uh, just towards the end of last year, we did Couch Potato Theater Demolition Man and of course Tombstone, two movies that of course were also celebrating important anniversaries. But now, Valentine's Day. 2024 we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of Wimbledon got a little plot description here for you guys Peter Peter Colt an English tennis player in his 30s whose ranking slipped from 11th to 119th in the world considers he never really had to fight for anything as as his wealthy but all but close family easily put him through studies and allowed him to pursue his tennis ambitions Peter bravely exchanges jokes with his German sparring partner, Dieter Prohl in a similar position, but feels it's about time to admit he's getting too old to compete with the younger competitors and intends after last Wimbledon to take a job with a prestigious tennis club instead. Just then by accident, he bumps into Lizzie Bradbury, the American rising star of female tennis falls in love with her and finds her interest in him change It changes his entire perception, even gives him the strength to win again. But where will it lead them? Especially when her overprotective father manager, Dennis Bradbury, proves determined to nip the relationship in the bud, believing it's detrimental to her career. And this film is dedicated to Mark McCormick, the founder of International Management Group, a management firm for high-level athletes who passed away on May 16th, 2003, And many uh, famous uh, tennis players were his clients. Let's start this open discussion here, guys, about Wimbledon. Uh, First of all, when and where did you first see this film? What kind of impact did it have on you? Lacey, I want to start with you.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Let's see. I had just moved back from Los Angeles, so I was uh, living back in Atlanta. And basically, uh, until I found a new new gig, I was... um, basically living at the movie theater (laughs) because that's what I do. Um, So I saw it at Gibbs Plaza. Um, I think I saw it several times, actually. Uh, I I adore Paul Bettany. That's
0: the AMC theater, right?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it was good. It was fun. I liked it.
0: That was one of my least favorite theaters. Do you know why? No. Why? Because it was very hard to theater switch in it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're terrible. I know Um, I am. Although yeah. the thing is, you just didn't know about the right back hallway.
0: <laughs> just, yeah, probably, yeah.
2: Because yeah. I later watched uh, it, and we always had to go <laughs> out of the, the, the back hallway.
0: Kyle, when and where did you see this? What was your uh, your first experience in Wimbledon?
2: So,
1: to be honest with you, I didn't see this till it came out on cable. I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters, because it didn't really have that long of a stay in theaters. But I kind of stumbled across it, and I had already been a big fan of Paul Bettany from... His performances in A Knight's Tale, obviously as Jeffrey Chaucer. Um, I loved him in Master and Commander. A few other things, and I'm seeing Paul Bettany, and I'm like, okay. And then I see uh, Kirsten Dunst, but I was it brought me in because of Paul Bettany. I'll be I'll be honest with you, because I'm kind of a mixed bag when it comes to Kirsten Dunst. But I really enjoy this movie, and I enjoyed this movie, like I said, because it's not just about their relationship. I, I think what they what they are going through with Paul Bettany's character. Um, Peter Holt in this in this movie is actually really well done and kind of reminiscent of some things that have happened to tennis. And then we're gonna talk about that later. And it's just it's a fun movie. It's, it makes you it's a one of those movies you watch and you just feel good while you're watching it. You don't, it's not heavy, it's not, oh, it's gonna be this cheer jerk or anything. You just have fun with it. And again, there were so many people in it at the time who hadn't, outside of probably I'm gonna say outside of Kirsten Dunce, hadn't hit it super big. Bethany was on the rise. And people knew Sam Neill, but other than that, everybody was kind of like they're just kind of some names that were just coming up at the time. But it was just so enjoyable and so much fun, and it instantly just became one of those ones that every time I kind of started on cable, I would stop and watch it until I went out and bought it. And it's it, 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 it's it's to me it's 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 just I need to turn my brain off. I need to put something that's going to put a smile on my face, and this movie does it every time.
0: Zazzle's Clubhouse is in the chat there Says howdy lads welcome to the chat Thank you for watching Wimbledon Appreciate you You know it's interesting I at first Couldn't quite remember where I saw it Until a friend of mine Reminded me and I'll get into that a little bit Later when it comes to when we uh, Read the comments that I put on Social media uh, or that The post that I put in the comments that people put on Regarding this film I'll get into that a little bit more but I, it's funny because I wasn't, I, I'm not a big tennis fan. Uh, I remember my grandparents played it. And uh, I used to, I remember Wimbledon come on like every summer. But <laughs> I'll be honest with you guys, it kind of pissed me off because it would always preempt my soap opera, Santa Barbara. <laughs> and I hated that. I hated when like certain like live shows like that would preempt your, 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 programs, you know? And I was so much into Eden and Cruz and, and, and Kelly and all these other characters. And then I knew during the summertime, I set my VCR, would get screwed and I'd have to wade and, you know, watch some stupid Wimbledon.
1: <laughs> uh, I, but- I, 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 I- I was just going to say I remember too Wimbledon also used to have a huge effect on HBO because HBO was the home for a lot of Wimbledon coverage and like HBO all day long you want, I want to watch a movie no it's Wimbledon all day <laughs> <long>.
0: <laughs> But uh, I I remember seeing it in theater and then I ended up catching it on I think I just it, it sat with me but it didn't really sat with me it was it wasn't until I started rewatching it that I'm like okay I, I might've saw it on some television somewhere and then I ended up buying it on DVD. And then I'm like, okay, this is a keeper uh, for many reasons that we'll get into. And of course there's a copy of my DVD right there uh, in, in the library and such. Uh, but I want to kind of talk about the, the pop culture impact that uh, Wimbledon has. And it's, you know, it's funny, Kyle. I, I kind of thought about the movie major league when it comes to sports films And uh, Lacey, I don't know. I know you're not a big sports ball fan here, but uh, this is if you look at the movie Major League, it's about the Cleveland Indians who haven't won anything at the time this movie was made. And they make a pennant run and they become very popular with a bunch of scrappy people. And, you know, uh, Charlie Sheen has a character. What's that?
2: The wild thing, Charlie Sheen, yes, the
0: wild thing, yes, uh, yes, a, a pitcher he needs to hold on, you know, control his fastballs and so on and so forth. Early West Wesley, Wesley, what's that?
2: <laughs> Just a bit outside,
0: exactly, There's exactly. A
2: little there, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but what the reason why I'm bringing up that movie is because Cleveland fans love that film. That's kind of like that's it's up on a pedestal because Cleveland actually wins in that, that movie, mm-hmm. and then they go on and the second one to go and do even better. And what's interesting about Wimbledon is that an Englishman hasn't won Wimbledon in like 60 something years, according to the time frame of this. Right, Kyle? Am I getting that right? Because of uh, the comet?
1: <laughs> well, um, actually in the year 2016, Andy Murray uh, an and Englishman won Wimbledon.
0: Okay. So finally it happened, but it was kind of yeah. like this joke for a while.
1: Oh the yeah. The biggest, so. the
0: biggest tournament in professional sports, especially with tennis, Wimbledon, and an English guy can't, can't sniff a, sniff the
1: victory, you know? So while, while we're talking about the test, can I bring up something real quick? Please do. Tennis this? So the tennis is fun in this. And obviously it's not top notch tennis because of the actors, but there is one thing about this that does not ring true. As far as Wimbledon goes, when they're playing the, Quarterfinals and the semifinals in like side courts and not on the grand stage. I'm like, no, <laughs> they are not playing the quarters and semi semifinals of Wimbledon over on side courts.
0: There was <laughs> Where, a Yeah, no, there's there's some liberties obviously that were brought yeah. in. Lacey, you had a you had
2: There was there was a reason for that. They actually talked about how the the court itself um for the main court is actually smaller as far as like the surrounding, you know, you've got mm-hmm. obviously the courts are the same size, the regulation, but only, only a little bit, you know? Um, so there wasn't enough like side area for them to have like camera crews and stuff. So they had to shoot on the second, like this, the secondary court or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, the one yeah, where they And
0: before we get too much on a tangent on that, because I, I want, I still want to make the point I'm trying to make and, and we'll get into the location thing later. But yeah, the front entrance to Wimbledon is not the front entrance to Wimbledon. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But the point that I was trying to make was Wimbledon has kind of become this thing to English, the English, as Major League has become to Clevelanders. It's like this This was kind of like if we if we see an Englishman actually win Wimbledon eventually – This is kind of our romantic way of seeing it, because also then you see the reason why he's inspired, he's falling in love, some crazy characters around it. Uh, But we finally got a winner, right, Kyle? And you said 2016?
1: Yeah, Yeah, Andy Murray in 2016. And Kevin, I will say this. There is one thing in England that would be bigger than a Englishman winning Wimbledon. That's if English soccer team won the World World Cup. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but that exactly. just kind of gives you an idea of the scale. It's it's on a similar scale, but it's not quite that. Yeah. But it's close. You know.
0: And you know, this 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 is filmed in and around London, and of course, Brighton. we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But this is a very fun uh, comedy that's filmed in and around London, and takes place in and around, of course, uh, one of the, the biggest tournaments in the world, Wimbledon. And the, the pop culture impact that it has, I found an article uh, on uh, realviews.net. And uh, it says Love is in tennis, doesn't have to be bad, but Richard Long, uh, Long Crane's Wimbledon shows a formulaic motion picture that delights in spite of, or perhaps because of, its reliance upon conventions. Wimbledon is the kind of movie that allows the non-cynical moviegoer to sit back and relax in the presence of actors who work well with each other and a script whose familiarity is an asset. It's rare for any motion picture to successfully combine the cliches of the sports and romance genres while keeping a balance between them. In recent years, I can name only two. For love of the game... Love that movie. Mm -hmm. And Cutting Edge to that select group. Yes. Wimbledon can be added. Love of the Game, of course, is my favorite baseball movie uh, directed by um, uh, Sam Raimi and, of course, Mm -hmm. starring Kevin Costner. uh, And The Cutting Edge, the ice skating movie with Mm -hmm. Maura Tierney and um, uh, D.B. Sweeney. Thank you, D.B. Sweeney. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing I highlighted in this article was the film echoes some real-life tennis stories, such as the 70s storybook romance between Jimmy Connors and Chris Evert. It was short-lived but made big headlines in the tennis world when it was hot. And the incredible ride to the U.S. Open semifinals for a 39-year-old Connors in 1991. Before the tournament, he was ranked 174. I remember that. Anyone wanting to call Wimbledon a fairy tale is within their rights and it does have a fairy tale quality, but the storyline doesn't venture too far from reality. Your thoughts on that uh, mirroring a little reality there guys, Lacey, let's start with you.
2: Um, Okay. So I love, uh, I don't like sports, but I do love um, fake sports. So like movie sports I'm in, right? So any of the uh, we're know.
0: talking about real sports, but fake in a movie as right, in, a story. Right.
2: as in, as in fake characters and all this kind of stuff. Um, gotcha. you know, the program, uh, Friday night lights, all that, you know, um, I don't know enough about the actual stuff happening. Like, I don't know enough about the actual people. I do know that Michael Rosenbaum is great about, he loves tennis. And so he's, he's, uh, interviewed a bunch of them on his podcast, uh, and and Connor's not, um, and those were really fascinating, listens but um I don't think that the um, 1970s was really included in that information so I don't really have a lot of, of contributing information for that particular question gotcha.
1: mm-hmm. Kyle I think they did a phenomenal job of it I think they got a good balance of it because it is a hard thing that especially when you're doing romance because in most sports movies i not to go back to major league as an example the the original romance between Rene Russo and Tom Berenger in Major League really took a back, ended up taking a weird back seat and kind of going in a weird direction. This movie just nails that balance. And when you talk about the pop culture impact of it, there's a couple of things. On the sports side of it, the fact that they got John McEnroe and Chris Everett to come in and be the quote-unquote commentators for Wimbledon really did add a great, okay, we're taking this seriously for the tennis people and the, enjoying that. But then you also add into the fact I think there's a later pop culture element that a lot of people come back to with this when you consider how much Paul Bettany has blown up since this since this film. Kirsten Dunst, John Favreau, Sam Neill, James McAvoy. There's so many people in this movie that have gone to another level, and a lot of people go back to yeah, um, of course, and Jamie Lannister. Um, But (laughs) they come back to this movie and seeing them in the in this early in these early roles. I think is a lot of fun for a lot of people. And again, Kevin, like you said, like you said in the article, this is a great cast that messes so damn well.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: You know, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I I do love movies about sports, especially when there's romance involved and such like this. And that, you know, like I said, I'm not a big tennis guy, but I love the world around it. I love the culture and uh, Lacey, I did listen to most of the uh, audio commentary on nice. this movie. And I loved how they talked about, you know, you have to dress a certain way when you're in Wimbledon. There's certain cultural things that you have to do and it's grass fields as well. Uh, did you listen to the whole, the
2: whole um, uh, commentary? Yes. Now that Was commentary there, is a bit dated because, yes. um, because of well, Andre, Andre Agassi. Um, I remember, I remember because my parents were big into tennis, like, and shout out to their 50, 30 anniversary yesterday. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they were huge (laughs) into tennis. So as a kid, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, I was sitting on the bleachers while they did all their round Robins and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, i I really know, uh, the general stuff about, I mean, I don't know all the 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 professional stuff. But I mean, I can watch a tennis game and follow it and know what's going on, which is not something I can say for most sports. (laughs) Um, So when Andre Agassi starts to come in with like, I remember the first time he had like the, the blue and teal kind of like Mm -hmm. the, the, it was like this kind of fake lightning bolt thing on the crop And they all, they, they find him um, and told him he had to if he if he wasn't going to change that he was going to be docked a certain number of points or something like that. I don't know how that works the rankings or something um, and I remember it becoming like a huge deal because before that it was all just whites that's it you know you had your tennis whites and that's what you wore the only color you could have was like a stripe on your tennis shoe that's it <laughs> you know you could yeah. <laughs> even even your your um, sweatbands were white. Um, so I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like Venus and Serena and Steffi Graf and all like, you know, everybody kind of well, followed suit and now they've got their like, they've got their, you know, fashion lines with all the different crazy tennis I, outfits. And stuff.
0: I remember when I was listening, I listened to the first half of the mm-hmm. commentary and I remember there was stuff they were saying or like, I can tell this is recorded in, you know, 2000, uh, like- like how
2: commenting on how how James McAvoy is going to do really well for himself one day. He's just, yeah. he's, a, he's, yeah. just he's a talented young lad, and I'm like.
0: But yeah. <laughs> hearing him also talk about uh, or, um Paul Bettany talking about John Favreau mm-hmm. in a way that he'll probably talk more about as if you were interviewing him today and we'll get into that right. a little bit later, but yeah. was yeah. there anything else in the commentary that that jumped out at you? I always like to give you a, a minute on the commentary.
2: Um, the commentary was pretty cool. They talked about, like I was telling you earlier about the difference with the size of the courts and what, how that affected filming. There was a lot of um, interesting, if you're into di- like learning about direction, um, it, there's, there's a lot of interesting information from the director talking about, you know, how he, um, chose to shoot things this and that way, and whether why they chose to do, um, you know, li- not do live balls. Um, there was there were very few actual tennis balls other than the ones that they show in in their hands. Um, everything yeah. was just faking, mimic back and forth. Um, lots of really good and interesting information. If you're interested in actual director commentary, yeah. Paul Bettany as well. Really fun. I loved how they discussed the concept of the inner monologue and a voiceover, not really choosing one because part of it is preamble and part of it's in the moment. Right. That's the, defini- that's the difference between. Yeah. And so they called it Radiohead. Yeah. It's just this kind of like jumble of, it can be kind of anywhere in the movie, <clears throat> which I kind of thought was interesting because the other day when we were prepping for this, y'all had asked me whether I thought it was a, of uh a, a, a voiceover or an inner monologue. And I was like, you know what, guys, it's been too long. I haven't seen it. I need to go back and listen. And uh, of course, by the time I got to the end of the movie, I was like, well, it's both.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, you're right. And it's, uh, well, I wanted to mention when he talked, when the director talks about, there's that really cool scene of them setting up all those cameras in that row and that arc about how they're getting the shot of the ball doing its thing. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, some very, if you really look at the way the camera moves in certain scenes, it's
2: quite fascinating. That Uh, reminiscent of the matrix and bullet, like it really was, I mean, for, for, for it's
0: not bullet time. It is tennis ball time.
2: Right. (laughs) um, There was, there was another, um, interesting uh thing that he did where he would take um like consecutive photos all the way around the crowd and then each photo would be uh, multi um processed so that you'd have the same shot over and over again right so that that gave that kind of the, the the wavy feeling It was really interesting the way he described and I, of course i'm just butchering trying to explain but uh that was really interesting
0: about well, that's that's yeah. cool. I mean, it's it's definitely worth listening to uh, if you want to watch the movie again and get a different pr- perspective. Yeah. I got some produ- pr- some production notes here. As I mentioned, uh, the film is dedicated to Mark McCormick, the founder of the International Management Group, a management uh, firm for high level athletes. He passed away in May of two thousand three, and of course, the movie came out in September of two thousand four. Uh, but uh, Chris Everett, I believe, was uh, um, a client and he's represented many, many, many more. And uh, um, so obviously he was a, a loved person. Uh, and some of the scenes that were filmed during the 2003 championship matches, it is the only time in history of a tournament that has been allowed, uh, that this has been allowed. And some court scenes with Bettany were filmed at the Stoke Park uh, Country Club, home of the Boodles Challenge, And uh, I'll show you a picture later. But the London Zoo's entrance was used for the entrance to Wimbledon. uh, And the they talk about that in the commentary. They kind of go, "Yeah, "Yeah, there really isn't like a grand entrance. We need something that looks cool." So they went to the zoo, which I thought was kind of funny. And I'll I'll show a picture of that later. Um, And I'm going to bring up uh, uh, Brighton. Uh, Of course, that's where uh, he had his, that's where his family was living, and of course where he had his flat. Uh, And the film used local locally recruited Wimbledon residents as extras for the scenes. And I thought this was interesting. Christ, Kier, Kirsten, by the way, it's pronounced Kirsten, not Kristen. And I keep getting that wrong. I double checked and I also looked an uh, IMDb and under her stuff, it's Kirsten Dunst, was interviewed uh, with regard to this film. She was under contract with Harvey Weinstein at Merrimax and had to complete the contract. She agreed to do the film, provided she could select her co-star. She selected Paul Bettney.
1: There you go. Uh, the other, the other, yeah, Kyle? I'm just going to say, that tells you how big she was at the time. If she was coming off Spider-Man and how much power she would well, to actually be able to pull that kind of power on Harvey Weinstein at that time frame.
0: Yes. And it's funny too, because it's not her story. It's, it's, uh, it's Peter Colt's story, which is interesting. Yeah. So it, it's not, she's kind of like a, a co-star basically in it. So yeah. but she was the selling
1: point of the movie
0: without a doubt. At yeah. The, time. the act, the actors served with real tennis balls and all, all others were added digitally mm-hmm. to make it appear like they were playing. Uh, but, I went onto social media on Facebook and I asked people to get their uh, thoughts and comments and kind of see who else out there had seen this film and what their thoughts were. And so uh, I got some comments here from friends of ours. Um, my friend Spencer Javis said, underrated. Chris Tulliger said, I liked it. And this is where I remembered where I finally saw it because it took my friend Charles Hickey, who I used to work with in uh, Virginia for Decipher Incorporated, the game company, And he says, pretty sure we saw this as part of a Reitzel planned movie marathon at the MacArthur Theater Center. (laughs) We both enjoyed it. And even on a rewatch during the pandemic, Paul Bettany's presence is just great. And Jamie Lannister is his best mate. So, yeah. (laughs) Hold on a sec, Kyle. So the office that we all used to work at in downtown Norfolk, they built this brand new like super mall center blocks away that we could go to during lunch we ended up going to like TGI Fridays in there but there was a Metroplex theater in there and I would often organize these uh mini marathons by going to pay for one movie and then sneaking into a bunch of other ones and Wimbledon was part of that so Charles Hickey reminded me of that yeah Kyle
1: oh uh, since Charles mentioned Jamie Lannister there's also this you know we were robbed of an all-time tennis career by of Jamie Lannister because of the the whole hand thing really became an issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, when you lose a hand, you can't play tennis that well. It's true. <laughs> uh we got some other comments here. Uh my friend Terry said good flick. Uh my good friend Rita Trainer McDermott said we love it too, still in our dwindling DVD collection. And just so you guys know, I've known Rita for a very long time and uh Bob Bob his, his her husband I've been doing football stuff with him for a while. Kyle, he's been, you know, Bob in our uh, fantasy football thing, Bob McDermott. And I said, I have not seen your DVD collection. (laughs) It's not like prominently out there. He says, oh, it's pretty small. It's in drawers and cabinets. So I got to go check that out next time. Maybe I can rate it. We'll see. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: Dan Bauman said, I liked it. Uh, Jennifer said, yay. Steve Ball said he enjoyed it. My friend Chris Gagolin said, guilty pleasure for sure. And when I would get home from work at the restaurant in 2008, it was often on USA or TBS at 1 a.m. Kyle, I think that's where I remember rewatching it at times on yeah. these like channels that had commercials, you know? So, yeah. Um, now, this is interesting. I want to get your, your thoughts on this comment here that Glenn Stein said. He says, it would have been better if they had cast actors who knew how to play tennis. At the time, I was thinking Shannon Elizabeth and Hugh Grant. Not only would it have looked better, but they could have promoted the sport when they were promoting the film. Now, guys, uh, I get getting people to know how to play uh, the sport, um, but my only argument against Glenn here, and I think that's a good suggestion, especially at the time with those two, because those two were really hot and popular at the time, um, you can't mess with chemistry. If you get these two people working together, it looks like they got chemistry, you can work around everything else. Kyle, what do you think of that?
1: I, I He has a point, but I completely agree with you. And I think this is a good time to, to bring this up too. Because the other thing with that is he mentioned Sarah and Elizabeth and Hugh Grant. They're too beautiful for this film. They, they are both literally too beautiful. Christian <laughs> is very attractive. And, Peter, and Paul Bettany is an attractive man. But there's something, especially with Bettany, and it's something they pull off very well, even though he's supposed to leave from this rich family and this tennis player. There's something about bettany in this film that we just identify with like he's got like we we can sympathize with him like with, with what he's going through and him trying to woo woo kirsten Dunst and what's going on with that relationship i think if you get hugh grant and, and shannon elizabeth there's no empathy for them in the-
0: uh i wanted to ask you about this Lacey, because i was just thinking too i don't know if they would have been able to have gotten hugh grant because uh he was playing the prime minister in a christmas film <laughs>
2: Uh, also he would have been 43 at the time which is like geriatric in tennis terms like I mean if they had done it 15 years earlier and not to say Jimmy Connors is going (laughs) white Yeah, you're right (laughs) in this film I mean Paul Bettany his character plays a 30 year old man who is he's 31 in the movie right so he's saying And he's talking about how 31 is just long in the tooth for tennis. You know, people who play tennis, you know, who are ranked that high, they, they, by the time they're 33, they're usually out and they're, they're taking gigs to do, you know, commentary, that kind of thing, um, or coaching that kind of stuff. So I don't think Hugh Grant could have done it at the time. It would not have been, it would not have worked for the story. They would have had to change the story to like a former tennis or something, um, because it would not have been believable for a 42 year old man to be pulling the wild card for Wimbledon. Um, right, right. Also, um, there are plenty of actors who like know how to play tennis, um, but playing tennis, anyone playing tennis at a Wimbledon level, you're you're gonna need an actual like professional <laughs> player. Well um, they they had they had
0: and, enough they had enough experts on hand to uh, coach these these And they had they in,
2: had like there. uh 3 3 months of of tennis training. They were taught yeah. how to like one of the one of the things that Bettany talks about on the commentary uh, and he named the guy like 17 times and I can't remember what his name is because I'm an idiot. Um but the the tennis coach that they had uh, apparently is like the best Pat, It was Pat Cash Thank you yep. catch. That's right. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. because, uh, uh, they, he talked about all the different drills and everything else and how they, you know, would, would, uh, you know, stop shots. And and he'd come in and like just tweak them just the tiniest bit to, to you know, show how you're supposed right. to do it. So that it would be believable. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I,
0: it would have been interesting, but you just cannot deny the chemistry between these two. And, uh, I, I know we're going to touch on that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think, yep.
2: There's a big difference between a 10-year age gap and a 15-year age gap. This Channel is true. Elizabeth, true, Elizabeth yeah. and Hugh Grant oh. are, I think, 14 years apart. Paul and well, Kirsten are, like, 10.
0: Speaking of chemistry, uh, as we get on with the comments here, Nathaniel White says, I honestly really enjoyed it. Bettany and Dunst have a playful chemistry that jumps off the screen. Supporting cast is absolutely stellar with John Favreau as Bettany's money-grubbing agent. James McAvoy is Bettany's younger brother, and Sam Neill is Dunst's overprotective father. Overall, it was a fun, underrated movie that I enjoy watching whenever I seen, have seen it on. And my friend Ryan Christopher says, that's a fun one. An early James Mac- McAvoy film. typically Typical happy ending rom-com of the late 90s, early 2000s. Probably why I enjoyed it. I kind of get the feeling too, guys. I think this is worth a short conversation because um, I just, you know, there's not a lot of rom-coms that have like kind of come out recently that have had certain long theater runs uh, or have kind of uh, planted a flag is like, that's a big money maker. Let's make more of those. It seems like we really got a lot through the eighties and the nineties and early two thousands. And this is definitely one of them that did quite well that, Yes, it's a formula. We know they're going to end up together. It's, you know, it it just, it feels like another version of these uh, rom-coms that just really hit a certain place with our nostalgia as well. Wouldn't you say, Kyle?
1: I I agree. And again, I think what it comes down to with this too is it really is about the chemistry. And if you don't have the chemistry that, there's just something with that chemistry of Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst where they're very playful and flirty with each other, but you end up rooting for it. That's always one of the biggest aspects of a romantic comedy. If you can't buy into the romance, you're not gonna buy into the movie. You buy into, into this romance here. And I think you buy into it because it's not quite traditional either. There, there, there are two people who live in the who understand the world they live in and they really don't aren't necessarily looking for connections, and yet they have managed to find this amazing connection between them, and despite everything with them. But it goes through some of the ups and downs that are caused by having a relationship in this environment and how distracting a relationship can be. And on one hand, for one of them, it's it's a source of inspiration and getting them to play better. And for the other one, it turns into a distraction and something that affects them greatly. And how they even deal with that in those moments is really well done. And it, it, it's just yeah. that's what the, the relationship sells this movie as, as, as well as the comedy aspect of it.
2: That's, That's one, good point. More of a relate. This is a rom com more than a sports film.
1: Oh yeah, yes. very much so.
2: Just because yeah, if it was a sports film, Lizzie would have gone on to win <laughs> the female title, and he would have like they both. You know, it wouldn't be her. You know, heading home. You know, towards the end. So yeah. Oh, spoilers. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everyone for uh, uh, putting their posts there on Facebook. We appreciate it. But let's get into the cast here, guys. Uh, I did want to mention uh, the director, Richard Crane. I was kind of curious about the stuff that he'd done. He's done a lot of uh, British productions, uh, including, I think, an episode or two of Band of Brothers. But I just realized that he directed one of my wife's favorite uh, horror films of all time, and I didn't really know anything about it. The 1977 movie called The Haunting of Julia and uh, that stars Mia Farrow and uh, it's, it's all filmed in and around London. And what's interesting, and this is going to come up again later in this podcast, but my wife and I just spent time in London in uh, 2023, September. And you know how we love to go visit filming locations. Well, she wanted to visit the, the house that was used and we found it and we took some pictures in front of it, but uh, yeah, he directed that. Uh, and he was also really good on that audio commentary as we mentioned here, guys, but let's, let's talk about the rest of the cast here, guys. Of course we have Paul Bettany, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Sam Neill as the father, John uh, Favreau as Ron Roth, Bernard Hill from our Lord of the Rings uh, fans as uh, the father, Edward Colt, Eleanor Braun as Augusta Cult, the mom, Nikolai Koster-Waldau. Is that how you say it, Lacey? Uh, it depends on where you're from, but sure. Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister yeah. <laughs> as his German uh, practice partner. Austin Nichols is the jerk, Jake Hammond. Uh, And we can go on here, of course, James McAvoy. And then we get, of course, uh, commentators, uh, John McEnroe and Chris Everett playing themselves. Uh, Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on the cast overall, but I do want to just say, let's save the discussion for Favreau and Paul Bettany after this, because I want to get into that a little bit more.
1: Well, again, it's ph- phenomenal cast. And I'm, like I said earlier, I'm not a huge fan of Kirsten Dunst, per se. There's times where she kind of annoys me. Yeah, um, but in this one, she's great. Hold on. And,
0: uh, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You can't just throw that out and say, why? Was there a movie that just made you irk? Uh, uh, I, really I, I got to you. know this because this, this, this is new between you and me right now. I, I know uh-huh. you pretty darn well, but I didn't know that Kirsten Dunst annoyed you from time to time. Tell me when hey, she's annoyed. I'm going
1: to be honest with you. And I, I know people are going to say this is sacrilege. I thought she was not not that great in the Spider-Man films. Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Okay. I, I did not care for her as Mary Jane Watson in those films. I actually thought Bryce Dallas Howard was a better MJ. But she played Gwen Stacy than she was. And then, was there and then, any other
0: films that were non-Spider-Man-y that you didn't care for either?
1: I was kind of mixed with her performance. Um, Interview with the Vampire. I know a lot of people love that one. Um, I, I think, too, she got overhyped really quick between that Interview with the Vampire and her performance on in, on ER at, back in the day when she was kind of like the kid that Clooney was trying to rescue. And I think okay, she got hyped? a little overhyped. And, but I liked her in this one because, she would, one, she was fallible in this film. And two, I think she it was the type of character she's very good at when she, when she's doing right where the character has some confidence, but you see her flaws and she actually kind of comes across a little bit in this, like the all American girl. And again, it's also, I think just working with Paul Bettany who had, and the two of them just had amazing chemistry and that you buy into that chemistry. And I think that helps sell her for me on this film. But, um, there's a couple of people in this movie that I think absolutely steal it. And one of them is James McAvoy. James McAvoy is come is gold in this film. He's 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 great as the gambling addicted brother who doesn't believe in believe in his his brother's abilities. Um, he's always constantly spilling stuff to the parents and working angles, and he's the one who sells the photo of the two of them together to the to the media. <laughs> I mean, but he's just so good in this. And you talk about the commentary, and you said it before. The commentary is, you know, oh, this McAvoy kid's going to be something special in a few years and stuff like that. And of course, I know we're going to talk about Favreau later, but he's this is this is classic John Favreau right here. This is classic Favreau in his in this role. And Kevin, I've got to do a little bit of shout out to uh, Celia Ermy, Penny Ryder, and Annabelle. I'm sorry, Penny Ryder, Annabelle Leventon, and Amanda Walker as the three old ladies from the tennis club because. Mm-hmm.
0: They steal the scenes. Hold on, hold on. Do you mean in. the Do you mean the three old Cougars? <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. They so steal the scenes that they are in, and it's and it's wonderful.
2: But again, the, you look the, at this. they 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 are tennis enthusiasts. Okay. Of That's a way to put it. tennis enthusiasts Lacey. of a certain age.
0: <laughs> what is your your thoughts on the cast?
2: Well, the cast, First of all, I love Kirsten Dunst. I think she's been in some really amazing things. Um, I don't. I didn't really uh, because I didn't come to the table for an interview with a vampire. I didn't see that until like much later um, because I'm not really a horror movie person. And someone had to convince me that it was not uh, as horror-ish as you know whatever. Um, I think that when it comes to movies like Bring It On and uh, Dick, she was absolutely hilarious in Dick. Um, uh, Get Over It is one of my favorite Tina. Oh, movies. I
0: love Get Over It. Oh right? my god, that's so good. Yes.
2: Fantastic. I think she's yeah. she's very fun and I think she's really good at what she does. Um I despised her in Marie Antoinette, but I on on purpose. You know, like she's she plays this just it, she's just really good at what she does. Um the only movies that I don't like her in are the super super dramatic movies, but that's because I don't like dramatic movies, so I don't see them. So it's not that I don't like her. I just don't like the choice that she made to be in that movie. You know what I mean? Um, So wasn't she in Virgin Suicides and um, and Melancholia? Like that kind of stuff is just not my jam. That's not my bucket of wax. I'm not a bucket of wax. I don't know where that came from. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah. So between her and um, I love Austin Nichols. Matter of fact, I think he's the only person in the entire cast who actually played tennis prior to this. Um, And uh, I think he's great. He's gone on to do a ton of things, um, Walking Dead, and all these other. You know, he was in um, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. He was one of the boys in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Um, but so, yeah, they. I think everyone in this. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Favreau and Betney later, but I mean, you've got you've, you're representing Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Jurassic Park, Professor X. Game of Thrones, you know, like every major, like every person in this went on to do like major huge things, Um, which is, that's a talent for casting, which is why I'm so excited. Well, I think that casting is, is very important. So we'll just leave it at that.
0: I thought the chemistry between our two main stars here, Kirsten and Paul were just phenomenal. And right, right when they meet, you know, uh, in the in the hotel room incident here, mm-hmm. and I got I got to bring this up right here, Kyle. Uh, this look here that oh, Kirsten yeah. Dunst does, and as he's walking out, I mean, how freaking adorable is that look when she's like just out of the shower? He's making a fool of himself, and he says something about nice body, uh, uh, and he's you know putting his foot in his mouth. And how charming she thinks all this is, and she is falling hard for him right now. This here is probably my favorite Kirsten Dunst performance next to probably um, uh, Bring It On.
1: Um, I want to add to that. What makes that even better is later on in the film when she admits she actually knew who he was.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's, it's, what's the last, that?
2: The last shot of her when they're having sushi at the little sushi bar. The last shot of her, where they—it's what you're talking about—when she admits that she knew who he was, and she watched the the play the game that he had fallen, you know, had choked or whatever. That last shot of her face is just adorable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and let's t- let's have the uh, John Favreau and Paul Bettany discussion here, guys. Uh, so th- this—if uh, you you could kind of say that this helped shape the the Marvel MCU, sort to speak. Uh, And Kyle, I'm going to let you uh, go on this a little bit here, but this obviously is where the relationship between Paul Bettany and uh, otherwise known as AI Jarvis for Tony Stark, and then, of course, Vision, as he came on later on, and uh, in the first Iron Man, of course, the director was John Favreau. These guys were friends, and John gave a call to Paul Bettany saying, I think I've got a great part for you here, and he thought of him about this, this voice. And what I remember Kyle about this uh, interview, because I think this came up while he was doing some press for WandaVision. Paul Bettany was talking about how, you know, he made some money acting, but he made like a god awful amount for the amount of time he spent voicing Jarvis for a couple of hours. He made like over a hundred thousand dollars for the first film, and then like two hundred thousand for the second, and it just went up from there. And then, of course, then he became Vision. But this is where that relationship started, was this production of this little rom-com that came out in 2004, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I, John Favreau was insistent Paul Bettany be Jarvis. That was kind of like one of his first things. And, and it's even kind of funny because I remember, too, in other interviews Bettany did, he's like, after he was done voicing Jarvis, he thought he was done with the MCU. And he's like, his career had kind of petered out. And then they called him back and said, so, um... Yeah, we're not done with you yet.
0: (laughs) I think there was like he. I think he was out waiting outside an office, and he got a phone call or something. And yeah, he he he
1: literally was about ready to retire from acting because it's yeah he wasn't getting roles. And you know the the the, the amazing thing about Paul Bettany too is I think I think now he gets a lot of credit, but he's such a versatile actor. You see him in how he is in this. You see him, how he was in the movie Master and Commander. And then, you, of course, him as Chaucer in Knight's Tale. He is just, that's my maybe my favorite role of
0: his. Yeah. Ever. It's, yeah, it's close between so this,
1: th- this and Chaucer. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. These, I, these yeah. are the, probably, those are my two favorite roles of his. But he, the great thing about him in this film, Kevin, is I think for us as guys, even though he has all this money and stuff, he's identifiable. We can relate with yeah. him. And what yeah. he's going through. And I think that makes it work so much more with this film. Uh,
0: also, and then also, his, his, you know, uh, Paul Bettany's wife, Jennifer Connolly, uh, you said was the voice of someone else, Kyle.
1: Yeah, she was the voice of Peter Parker's AI Friday in Spider Man yeah. Homecoming. Um, yeah, all I'm just going to say is Paul Bettany's living the good life, man. Yeah, he's living the good life. <laughs> Lacey, your thoughts.
2: With Paul Bettany, if you have never seen the movie Gangster Number 1. I need to see that. It's wow, been way like, too it is, long. It is yeah. so against type for him. Yeah. And he is like genuinely like he gives good creepy. Like he gives good mob boss. Like, yeah, he's, like it's good. It, it's I'll say nothing else about it. But if you haven't seen Gangster Number 1. Check it out. He, he's, he's
1: channeling a little bit of that in Solo too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: he. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. I love him in Solo. He's yeah, um, and yeah. So I just I just wanted to bring that up because that was kind of a start of a beautiful relationship. Of course, that uh, uh, pleased MCU fans. Obviously, uh, I did want to mention real real quick, uh, Mr. Jamie Lannister himself, uh, Nikolai. Uh, of course, that is his most iconic role. But I just—I got to shout out a movie I just saw for the first time recently. Came out in 2017 that uh, Nikolai um, starred in, called Shot Caller. Have you guys heard of this film? Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it, Lacey? Yeah, I got it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, just
1: a wait, wait, we're get wait, Kevin. Everybody take a drink now because that's the new fandom <laughs> podcast network drinking game. <laughs>
0: Just so you know, he plays a guy in a nice, normal guy in a relationship, and he gets in a car accident that he's uh, responsible for. He kills his best friend by accident in the car. He has to go to jail, and it's a, a, a scary tale of how jail doesn't really help anyone um, change. And he, except for the worst, and he becomes like a, a, a prison, a prison guy that is a shot caller. And then finally, he gets out of jail for a short amount of time and he has to commit this, this robbery and he is not the person he was when he went in and he is bad ass. Anyway, I highly recommend Shot Caller, but yeah, you've seen it. Obviously Lacey, did you like it? I assume since you have yeah. a copy of it.
2: Yeah. It's um, it was definitely not what I was expecting uh, when I, cause I went into it kind of blind or whatever. Um, very good. Very fun. I would say that the other time he and Paul Bettany have worked together was in a movie called Firewall remember that with Harrison, uh, with Harrison Ford, right?
0: Yes. He was the, uh, Paul Bettany was the, uh, the bad guy in that.
2: Yeah. 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 With Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, with the passwords and stuff. Um, and and who who else was in that? I'm sorry. Was, was and, and Paul Bettany. Paul okay, Bettany gotcha. was like Valdo, yeah. um, so that was kind of interesting.
0: Interesting. Well, I forgot. About well, this
2: little web that we, we weave. Yeah.
0: Well, I just thought we should look at uh, Kirsten here again. I mean, it's kind of,
2: well, you know. she's adorable. <laughs> and I love the fact that she and uh her husband met on on set and they, they've been married for uh, they're just the most adorable like ridiculously adorable couple
0: Jesse Clemens otherwise yeah. my wife calls him faux Damon because he looks like yeah. when you Matt can't get mad Damon yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> i never would have I never would have pegged that I just i you know yeah. he was like my favorite part of Friday Night. And Lights.
0: they're both co starring in a movie coming out that's kind of scary called Civil yes. War. They're both in that film together.
1: So, if, if you want something fun, to, one of the Jesse Plemons, my, my, my favorite Jesse Plemons things is the episode of Black Mirror.
0: Ooh. Black Mirror, the the, the McAllister Callister. episode, the, right? Yeah.
1: The Callister yeah. Epi- USS Callis- yeah. Callister episode.
0: More famous, most people know him from breaking his part in Breaking Bad. And night- uh, but I really, I really, I really liked him in Game Night.
2: <laughs> Game <laughs> Night was like- fantastic, yes. But yeah. Friday Night Lights was kind of his his original, like every he kind of yeah. that was kind of coming up. And in Battleship, he his character was like yeah. instrumental number one, but also hilarious.
0: Well, we've got Mrs. Jesse Plemons here. They've been married for a while now, so yeah. Well, just a little bit of release date information. It was released September 17th, 2004, running time of an hour and 38 minutes, budget around 31 million, uh, grossed only about 41 million. So it didn't make a lot of money, but I think it did a lot better, of course, on video sales. And of course, uh, on the couch potato theaters that people were watching this on. Uh, I got some critical reception here, guys. Uh, Wimbledon received mixed reviews, holding a score of 61% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average of 5.9 out of 10. The consensus reads, quote, a predictable bland rom-com, but Bettany proves to be an appealing lead. Um, That is incorrect. Take that back, Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) I always like to give Roger Ebert a shout out. He gave the film a positive review. Quote, Wimbledon is well-behaved movie about nice people who have good things happen to them. That's kind of startling in a world where movie characters, especially in sports movies, occupy the edge of human experience. What is surprised to hear conversation instead of dialogue and to realize that the villain may actually be right. Some of the time. He gave the three. He gave the film three out of four stars. So that's good for him. That's a good. Uh, I always why. He, I wonder why he never did five stars. He always did four. That always kind of messed me up. Should be five stars. I'm just. He, he, he
1: did it just to mess you up.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, come on. Letterbox uses five stars, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Holden in the New York Times wrote that Wimbledon was much more conventional than Low Crane's previous films, but with clever than average dialogue and sharply drawn subsidiary characters. I agree with that. And Michael Charlotte's review for Empire, which is an English magazine, gave the film three out of five stars. See, he uses five stars, <laughs> saying in tennis parlance, this fires off more moon balls to stay in play than outright winning shots. But Bettany is charming, and thankfully he and Dunst are appealing together. So he kind of gives it a jab, but then kind of gives it a, a hug, I
2: guess. So, I'm sorry, okay. does anyone know what a moon ball is?
0: Uh I think it's like when you when you don't throw it all the way, it just kind of flops in okay. front of you, I guess. I think that's what a moonball is. I
2: have been tennis for 20 years, never heard of a moon ball, but okay.
0: Yeah, I don't either. So, <laughs> guys, we've we've let me ask you, we've talked about the roles a little bit, but do you have any Favorite characters in Wimbledon in two thousand four. Like, if you had to pick your favorite character, what, what would that be, Lacey? McEnroe. McEnroe, yeah, <laughs> doing the commentator.
2: Like, yeah, McEnroe is he's awesome. Um, I, but as far as like the actors, I would say it's it's going to be um, uh, James McAvoy. Like he's just nice. He just steals. So, I mean, the thing with the bicycle and just not being capable of riding the bicycle. Can we talk
0: about the fact that he's ri- practicing riding his bike in the house while watching porn?
2: Yep. <laughs> the director's cut. Like, there's what? And then on top of everything else, every time because apparently um, the bicycle that he used was one of those ones where you where they clip they clip the foot in, right? Yeah. And apparently he just couldn't do it, and so every t- that was real. Like he couldn't. Yeah. He kept like every time he tried to like j- hopping after the bike, trying to get his foot out of the thing. Um, and then uh, apparently the director would be laying on the ground ready to like hold the wheel to so that he could yeah. get off the bike, <laughs> and then he would like wait 10 seconds and then like let the bike drop. It was just sort yeah. of this kind of running gag,
0: Kyle. What about you?
1: Obviously, Paul Bettany is uh, is, a, is one of my favorite things in this movie, but I gotta, I gotta agree with Lacey, he is a McAvoy seal every scene he's in. And- movie um in fact kevin you're gonna need to change the sheets after the podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> the dude, you know like what? the dude basically squats in his brighton apartment think he's not gonna be home and he's kind of holding a party orgy in it come on
1: <laughs> but I, you know what i do have to give a quick shout out i love peter Holt. yeah I, just just he he you, he you you love him because he's so he loves his son so much but I love that when he's first moving into the treehouse or whatever that is, and he's sweeping up. Bernard Hill, Peter.
0: Edward yeah. Edward Colt.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, Peter, remember everything I told you about tennis? It's all bullocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the leader of the Rohirrim. Yeah. Lacey, did you have a comment? I'm uh, sorry, you like- I did, and
2: I've lost it. I have okay, no, no idea worries. what I was going
0: to say. Uh, no worries. I really like that Sam Neill came in, played the overprotective father. This guy's like an A-plus star at this time. And I thought he was great. And I, one of the little scenes that I like is when, um, Peter Colt is in the finals and he's in the airport and, or was it the plane? And he's like, he's like playing. kind of cheering for him. You know, I, I love that. I love that scene. I thought that was really good. And John Favreau. I just, like boom comes in and what's so funny is he's so right. He's like, you now matter, which means now I can market you. That's how this works. I didn't abandon you. You just sucked. And there was nothing, to nothing to promote. <laughs>
1: Uh, can i just throw out some another scene with sam neill that i thought was really poignant in this film it's right after lizzie kind of breaks up with peter because she's so upset she lost and as he's walking out you see sam neill watching film of his daughter and he makes this comment about what she was doing and it's like that in that moment you see sam neill's whole is that character's whole mindset about peter change
0: yeah
1: right in that yeah. moment and Yep. It was just a really fun, interesting and standout moment in the film.
0: There's another character that I really liked in this film. And that was uh, Jonathan Timmons, who played the ball boy. I like the fact that he stuck with him and he says, good luck, Mr. Colt. And Colt was kind of looking after him. Uh, and then you have like, you know, the Darth Vader villain of Jake Hammond hitting the boy with the ball for, you know, and <laughs> there's that whole scene <laughs> that. And like, is he
2: gonna come back? And I just, I love that whole scene. Oh so, yeah. And but, don't uh, forget, like, he really does. He does evil bastard really well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Austin, but like, I mean, he's he's kind of known for playing, you know, the sweetheart on um, One Tree Hill, and he plays the kind of.
0: You mean Austin Nichols, not Butler? Yeah.
2: <laughs> what, did you, what did I? Say? Oh, oh, did I just Elvis on this? No, no. Yes, uh, you- <laughs> like sorry, um, Austin. <laughs> Austin Nichols, um, yeah. you know, with the. Walking Dead and all that, but, but he's, he's really, he's very versatile. And I think that he's going to end up, if, if people will give him the chance to play some more out there roles, I think he could really, um, his, yeah. if you haven't seen um, John from Cincinnati, it's one of the weirdest, it feels like um, David Lynch took something and then wrote for a little while and then put it through a paper shredder and then handed it to somebody else. And then they got Jim Beaver, Austin Nichols, and, um, Al Bundy, uh, to play in this. It's absolutely the weirdest thing ever, but he's <laughs> so good playing this, like maybe alien or maybe not. Like you don't know anything. It's the weirdest thing ever. He's the title. I'll character. Take
0: for it. Yeah. I, had, yeah. I hadn't, uh, have not seen that show. So, okay. Yeah. Um, okay guys. Uh, I just want to give you a moment. Uh, what other favorite moments or scenes did you have in this film? Give me one or two quickly, Kyle.
1: Um, the, the scene where Peter is hitting the cans, practicing, and she goes, you know, if you hit this one, I'll sleep with you. She ends up in the coach. Um, another great one is that scene where it's the him and his brother and his parents, and um, he goes, um, you're just a bloody wanker. Yeah, fair. And my actual goes, harsh but fair, <laughs> just the way he delivers okay, that you're
0: line. bleeding into quotes now, Kyle,
1: <laughs> but, um yeah <laughs> the, the the other one I, my other favorite one Kyle, is, I was
0: asking he, you for scenes, not quotes, just so you okay, know well
1: well, I know <laughs> but they're, they're they're great scenes too, but one of my other favorite scenes is when he breaks into the apartment complex they're in, yeah, yeah
0: yeah thats that's definitely a good one,
1: yeah, uh Lacey,
0: what are some of your favorite scenes or moments
2: um there's a scene where uh, the three guys are asleep and Paul Bettany has to get up and he has to climb <laughs> over um, Favreau to do it. And in the moment, <laughs> Favreau pretends that he's sleeping and he's, he mumbles the name Jennifer on purpose. <laughs> it was not scripted. It was on purpose because that's Paul Bettany's wife's name. Yes. <laughs> and to, like, try and stop him. And I thought, I think that just, I mean, the, it's funny in itself, but when you hear the story behind it, it gets funnier. And I think that's absolutely adorable. Um, and then, I mean, just anytime time I do love the scene where, uh, where somebody, the, the shop owner kind of looks at McAvoy, like, you know, wow, you really don't trust her. You don't have any faith in your brother at all. And the whole thing is he's just playing the odds he says uh, something like, um, "You know, it's a double win. It's a win either way. If he loses, I win. I, I get rich, and if if I if he wins, I get laid." <laughs> like I mean, he he just he's just kind of this like out to have fun kind of guy. There's not no there's no like deliberate you know issue w- between him and his brother. He just plays the yeah. odds and I, it's just, yeah. he's just such a light and, and wacky character. And I just, I think he's hilarious.
0: The moments I enjoyed the most are the, the scenes with uh, Peter and Lizzie. I, I, you know, especially when they first meet in the hotel room, but I like when uh, she wants to escape and they go to Brighton, uh, you know, his hometown and, and you can tell she's wearing his clothes when they're out jogging and, and, you know, cause she only brought one thing. And I, it's funny too, because like, as you mentioned, uh, Lacey, that his brother's the one that leaked the photo and the <laughs> father comes to basically claim her. And I like how they have that conversation. She's hiding, but listening yes. to what there's. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of going around the pillar. I love that scene. I think that's really good. And then she, then she presents herself that she's there, but that scene reminded me a little bit because the paparazzi are there kind of in, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Oh shoot! The one with Hugh Grant and um, Notting Hill. Uh, Notting Hill, when she's at her his apartment and the paparazzi show up uh, at his, you know, the blue door, uh, which I've been to actually. But yeah, these are those are some of my favorite scenes.
1: I just and, want to add in. You talk about that scene, Kevin. I love the pre going into that scene where they're watching the TV. And it's like that looks like the door to my flat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> and uh, I want also I just want to give a shout out to. Um, Peter Colt's car, the Porsche. They they called it a, uh, I think it was called like a, a Chelsea something, a Chelsea mm-hmm. uh, thing or whatever. But just a great, great car. So, like uh, having Dylan you were, McKay flashbacks. Yeah, no right, <laughs> Dylan <laughs> McKay flashbacks. <laughs> yes, and
2: to be fair, those weren't actually real. Those were kit cars.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That, well, nothing about those were actual uh, Porsche vehicles.
0: Go ahead and just destroy my dreams, there, Lacey.
2: You is that you could buy the kit and pay far less money. Oh, we
0: know, yeah, that's a, it's a movie trick, but it still looks freaking cool. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, you you jumped into some of your uh favorite quotes there. Um, did you was there any other quotes that you want to jump out? And Lacey, I'm going to let you go as well.
1: Um, again, I, I just love that you really are a wanker. harsh but but true but fair. The way you the know. way
0: McAvoy says that that retort is hilarious. I love that.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 I I also, my other favorite, one of my other favorite quotes is when he talks about going into the wrong bedroom, he's like, well, your dad was a quick shag.
0: Yeah, that was one of my favorites, too. Lacey, did you have any favorite quotes?
2: Um, I think uh, the thing where he says, well, my parents are still together, which proves that love isn't just blind, but it's bloody stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> it's really fun. Um, and then I do love the, uh, the um, if you get this, I'll sleep with you. And he just, like, blows it. You know. Um,
0: The line that I never get tired of, and I think it was in the trailer as well, is when the the members of the tennis club, oh, look, there's Peter Colt, the new pro, once ranked 17th in the world. He goes, 11th! (laughs) Once ranked 11th in the world.
1: And somebody else says, oh, wait, once ranked 13th in the world.
0: (laughs) And I love the little uh, back and forth. And it really kind of defines the relationship between Peter and um, Peter. uh, Jamie Lannister's character, Dieter. Dieter says, I suppose in a few thousand years, he says, Dieter, the English will evolve webbed feet because of the rain. Peter calls. Yes. Just about the same time. The German involves his first sense of humor.
2: <laughs> Dieter
0: says, no, 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 that's unfair. Many times I make you laugh. Peter Cole goes, no, I'm laughing at you. Not with you. That's <laughs> always kind of good. <laughs> and I love it. When in a romantic comedy, when you have the two leads you're always wondering like, who's going to say, I love you first. And I love it when it's, it's creative. And I love the fact that Peter and uh, Lizzie are talking and Peter hesitates. He says, as a matter of fact, um, I was incredibly easy. Lizzie Bradley says, I said, I love you. Peter Cole says, see, that's very good news. I thought I was alone in that department. Lizzie says, well, it turns out you've got company.
2: Come on, it's so cute. I love that. But I also love that the 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 times where you see a romantic comedy and no one has said it yet, but it gets dropped into something else. You know, because she says, you know, don't don't tell me I love you. Tell everybody else. And he was yeah. like, I'm sorry. Could you say that again? Wait, what now? Like yeah. you said that. Wait, <laughs> we need to. could you roll back a little bit? Yeah.
0: So I don't know if I made this obvious, but we always have a section here that says who's your movie crush, and I'm just going to put that picture up of Lizzie. There in the shower. That's just, I mean, even, even the director and the director's commentary was talking about this look. And, and this is what makes her character and Kirsten Dunst just, like, adorable. Uh, and she she always had this type of thing going on in, in several films. I remember um, Get Over It, the movie that you and I like. Lacey, there's a, several scenes like that within here. But Lacey, I want to ask you, who's your crush in this film?
2: Oh, um, you know, I would <laughs> probably go with Austin Nichols. Although, really, the bad boy tennis yeah, I, that likes to hit yeah. kids with tennis balls, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now, in the movie, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I will watch Paul Bettany read a phone book, like just his accent is lovely. Um, same with McAvoy, but in his regular accent, which is not the accent he used in this film. So, I would probably say if we're just going, yeah, okay. I, I try, I try and fix them. I do. I'm a, I'm a fixer.
0: Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, what about you? Who's your crush?
1: Come on. Even though I'm not 100% her in this movie, Kirsten, though, yeah. the, the looks, the smile. <laughs> the, like I said, this is where she truly is like the all-American girl. Yeah. And, Definitely. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's, she, she, this is the kind of girl you want to have a relationship with. All right,
0: guys. Next, we have got some movie trivia. So getting the actors to play professional-looking tennis proved much more difficult than anticipated. Eventually, it was decided to film them performing the strokes and digitally adding the ball afterwards, as we uh, discussed earlier, which I thought was a smart move to do, and I gotta tell you, did pretty well with the special effects, I'm just gonna say. Uh, And uh, we did touch on this earlier. Scenes for the film uh, were filmed during the Wimbledon tournament in 2003. Of course, this came out in 2004. The actors would walk out on court to beginning or end of each match as though they were really competing. The officials and spectators were actual tennis officials and spectators rather than extras. It's the only time in history of the tournament that this has been allowed. And the movie cast professional but little-known tennis players to play against the stars And the director's commentary, Richard at Long Crane, shared that he met an upcoming female tennis player, but rejected her as she looked too similar to Kirsten dust. She was Maria Sharapova. Anyone hear of her before uh, she went on bell. to win several grand slam titles, including Wimbledon. What was that, Kyle?
1: Yeah. Uh, Sharapova. Something about that name rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, And let's see here Uh, The scenes of course showing the public Queuing outside Wimbledon were in fact shot At the London Zoo simply because it looked More interesting and I'll show a picture of that soon And uh, this came from Reddit uh, In Wimbledon 2004 um, A news report about the comment Symbolizing Peter Colt's winning streak Says it was the first time in 67 years it's appeared At the time of the movie The last Englishman to win the Wimbledon Was Fred Perry 67 years previously um, and I also liked in the commentary, if you remember, uh, Lacey, they were talking about how when both Peter and um, Kirsten Dunst's character, were lo- Lizzie, were looking up at the comment, but they didn't show the comment and they felt that it was better that they didn't.
2: So, mm-hmm. was kinda... Reaction is always better. So
0: speaking of the front of the zoo, here is a picture of the London Zoo. This was the, oh, this was the, uh, this was the entrance to Wimbledon because it looked a lot more interesting than the real entrance to Wimbledon there. So yeah. If I'm
2: not mistaken, isn't the entrance to Wimbledon literally like a, like a fence in like a, a, a big old thing of Ivy. Yeah. So not interesting. That doesn't little, look cool. Yeah. It's, yeah, not, it's there's no, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I, and I, I haven't been there, but I feel like I've seen the pictures or, or something. So when I
0: was watching this film, I noticed something interesting. I noticed the skyline. Now, if you guys look at this picture here, you'll see in the background that construction is finishing on the new skyscraper called the Gherkin. And it is known as the big bullet, you know, uh, and it's very distinctive in the London skyline. And after plans to build a 92 story millennium tower was dropped, uh, it, they decided to start building this building, this bullet building called the Gherkin. It was built by Sconza Construction, which started in 2001. And the Gherkin, formerly uh, at 30 St. Mary Axe, is previously known as the Swiss uh, Rebuilding, is a commercial skyscraper in London's primary financial district, the city of London. It was completed in December of 2003. This is when this was filming, guys. And you notice the cranes around the top of it in this picture here. Because here's what it looks like nowadays. And I've been near this thing. This thing is phenomenal. It's it's gorgeous. But what's funny is it makes this thing basically 20 years old as of this film. And it's fun to see stuff like that in movies. And it gives you a stamp in time. And there's a really cool, uh, uh, I guess, a big place you can have lunch in there as well. And I think Basic Instinct 2 filmed in there, if I remember correctly. Well, That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm having a vague memory of that. I think I think that's where Catherine Tremell had an at an office or something like that, or um, what's his name from The Walking Dead, the Governor. He was the male lead in that film. I think he was in that as well. But uh, yeah, so there you go. It uh, it did finally uh, it completed in December 2003 and opened in April of 2004. And because this movie's filmed in and around London, and London is such a wonderful place to visit, I did want to talk about. Um, of course, this location here, guys, uh, this, of course, is Br- the city of Brighton. And I've been to Brighton before, but I haven't been since like 2000 and I want to say around this time, maybe. I was going there for a, a little vacation before I went to a convention. And it's a beautiful little town. I had a friend that lived there. But what's really cool, you can't really tell in this picture, but this is the uh, the beach. And then, of course, that is the Brighton Pier. It's gorgeous. But the sand is not normal sands. It's rocks and pebbles. It's the weirdest thing. But they got wonderful fish and chips along the beach there. It's it's gorgeous. And there's it's not shown in this picture, but you can see the remnants of the old pier that like burned down like a long, long time ago. But no one's gone to remove all of the wrought iron pillars that still exist there. It's pretty cool to see that. So yes.
2: Uh, just a note. I Googled to see what had been filmed at uh, the Gherkin and um, oddly match point, the other tennis movie
0: from, Oh the, yeah. The, the Disney. one with,
2: yeah. The, 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 and then another
0: Woody, Woody Allen and Scarlett Johansson.
2: Right. And then yeah. the other, uh, another MCU, uh little notch is that Thor, the dark world was filmed, uh, had several scenes inside the Gherkin.
0: There you go. Yeah. So this one here is, uh, I, I thought this looked familiar. This is where the uh, um, the posh private club was filmed. And this is a Goldfinger Bond location. Bond plays Goldfinger, uh, plays golf here. And uh, also, too, uh it's also where another Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies, was also filmed. And Bridget spent a naughty weekend with Daniel Cleaver in Bridget Jones's diary at this location. Oh. So, yeah. Very very pretty. Got the
2: Hugh Grant uh, crossover after all.
0: There you go. Yeah, and this of course is the uh, the uh, Dorchester uh, Hotel, which was uh, prominently uh, featured in this film, Uh, and uh, that's I've been wanting to visit this one. I didn't think about visiting it while I was there though, but uh, this is a, a building that's been around for a very very long time and has a long place in history as well, but. You remember that little fight scene they had with your crush, basically? You know, well, that was at the London Eye, which is basically a, a, a huge, um, what do you call it? Um, ferris, wheel. ferris wheel. Thank you. Very huge Ferris wheel. Beautiful sticks out there. Some people say it's an eye store. I saw it depending on who you ask. I think it's pretty. And uh, I've actually uh, been in it. It's pretty cool. There's a picture of me there. Uh, And these pods can hold up to like 20, 25 people, I think it is. It's enormous. And I believe it takes about an hour to do one full rotation. And it's really cool. I recommend doing it during the day and at night, but mostly during the day so you can get really good shots of the city. And uh, I went in there with our group and my wife and I were there. We got some pictures, and I got a big selfie. I took with everyone while we were in it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> okay,
2: I am claustrophobic, and I I'm not big on heights, so uh, that, so
0: that's a no for you. Is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> I did it. It was one of the longest hours of my life. I the portion of it With my face like with my nose against like the top button of my dad's shirt, just like
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> but, like. I looked every once in a while, like, oh, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, hmm. and then
0: okay. So yeah. no for you, no for you on the London Eye. <laughs> no, no.
2: All
0: right, guys, I want to I want to wrap this up here. Uh, I want to talk about sequels, remakes, TV series. Where do you sit on that? We obviously get a nice little kind of wrap up at the end of the film. They get together, they get married, they have a kid. We find out that Lizzie's won uh, the U.S. Open, won Wimbledon twice. Um, where do you stand on a sequel, remake, or, you know, a limited TV series run? Kyle, I want to start with you.
1: I think if you're going to do it at this point, I could see it as a streaming remake, like a maybe 8 to 10 episode Netflix kind of thing, where they kind of can play it out a little bit more. Um, but I think the magic of this movie is it's really one of those movies that just stands alone. It's got a great runtime. It's a tight, fit story, but it tells a great story in a short period of time. And you know, to to be honest with you, I can't think of two people who are going to have better chemistry than these in in this film right now. Um, but yeah, I think if you're if you're going to say okay, I'm go, I'm doing something with Wimbledon, I think it's I think you've got to do it as kind of a streaming prestige TV series.
0: Right. Yeah, that would be kind of fun. Kind of spread out a little bit. Maybe even yeah. have a little history with like John Favreau's agent character first and like when he first drops him maybe that'd be kind of funny well, I, I can st- even see, see some his flash- Wimbledon fall you know something like that
1: i, I even some flashbacks to peter colt in his younger days on the tour oh there you go yeah
0: yeah yeah Lacey, what about you uh what do you want to see uh, do you want to see a, a a sequel remake tv series what do you think
2: unnecessary i think this is very i think it's great the way it is i think it was a good story I don't think it could be done the same way today. I think it would be too many cell phones and all this kind of crap. Like, I think it would just be, um, too overdone. Um, cause I think social media would affect the film too much. Um, and I think it was well done the way it is. I don't think, I, need, I don't think I need more. Like you already you know what Florida, you got that little, that little tag at the end that where, you know, you see them, you know, he's, they're living in the United States and he's teaching tennis and all that kind of stuff, like with his kids and everything. And, I think that's like kind of the the
0: right ending. What I think would be really cool. I, I agree with you a little bit there, Lacey, but there's something about the chemistry between those, two, these two that I need to see more of. And here's a picture I have of uh, them promoting the film on the red carpet or green carpet, so to speak. And it's a great picture of Paul and uh, uh, Kirsten dressed up. And there's a great picture here of Paul and his wife, uh, Jennifer. Uh, I personally would love to see a sequel, but of their kid now doing uh, tennis and kind of seeing the competitive side and how tennis has changed a little bit and how, you know, you know, when you've got the Williams sisters now just being brand names everywhere. And, and I, I would love to kind of see them take this to another thing and see them, you know. Not necessarily being the main stars, but being there, and then maybe them having a challenge in their own relationship. Uh, John Favreau returns, of course. He's he, he's like the he, he's like the number one sports agent in the world. You know, I think it'd be great if like Tom Brady walked in, you know, and is, decides to sign with him. And it shows how powerful John Favreau is because he is now in real life with Star Wars fans. You know, it, it just I, I just see there's so much fun you can have. It. John McAvoy, or I mean uh McAvoy, not John McAvoy, but um McAvoy. McAvoy can come in for a hot minute, you know. Let's say he's let's say he's doing the tour de, Tour de France, you know. You know, he can you know make a comment about that American guy that was juicing, you know, <laughs> just something kind of funny. I see all of these little things that could still happen and just show the chemistry between these two. Have I sold you guys on that?
1: No, Uh, it's a a nice thought because the chemistry you want to see more of the chemistry between but (laughs) i think from what the problem is from i don't think you can get the same romantic comedy the the romance side magic that you have in this film i think you end up getting too caught up in the tennis side of things because here you have basically child prodigy of these two superstar tennis players yeah
2: And realistically, you already have the visual of what the relationship is with them bringing up a child prodigy because you see both her parent, her father and his parents and how they're doing. So you already have that storyline. It's just. There's
0: there's a part of me, though, that wants to see Sam Neill and um, I'm sorry, uh, what's his name? Uh, The father of Peter Colt, just sharing a scene together with like a a grandkid. I mean, come on. That, how cute would that be? You know? I would love oh, 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 that. Poppy. That, that
1: would that would be cute. That would actually be comedy because you can imagine the different styles in tennis teachings.
0: Oh God, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 there. I'm just saying, you know, and you know, it'd be kind of fun too, is maybe like also show something in, in uh the Australian Grand Slam or something like that. You know, take take it to these other countries that where tennis is also very, very popular. So Alright guys, let's get your final thoughts on this film. Uh, maybe a little perspective when you first saw it and now um, and you know where where does this sit in your, your rom-com fandom? You know, is it at the top? That's kind of where I want to gauge this with you guys. Cool. Like, you know give me your, your favorite rom-com if you have one and, and take Wimbledon and kind of see if it fits in there somewhere. Uh, Kyle, let's start with you.
1: Again, this is I think one of those movies that is just it's what movies are supposed to be, which is escapism. Make you feel good and have a smile on your face. You get caught up in the comedy. You get caught up in the romance. You get caught up in the cast. Everything about this movie is just makes you feel good. And that's why we go to the movies. That's something that this movie is movie, but this is why this movie is movie magic. As far as, far as for me personally, with like the rom com thing, this is easily in my top three rom coms. It pro- it's probably be might even be number two because for me my my, my favorite all-time rom-com is definitely maybe ryan reynolds definitely maybe yeah nice little ryan um, reynolds in there gotcha yeah um but it's the relationship in this one that just sells me and it's it's the chemistry between them and that that to me that's something that a lot of romantic comedies throughout history they they, they try to be good but in the when the chemistry is there it makes something special and chemistry is overflowing. Yeah.
0: Lacey, what about you? What's your favorite rom-com and where does this one stand compared to it?
2: You know, it's funny because I hadn't seen this in a very long time. And, um, now I think it's going to definitely kind of go into my, into my rotation. Um, uh, top 20, maybe. Um, I have, I'm, I mean, let's face it. I have a lot to choose from. So
0: what's your, I'm going to, I'm going to want you to nail it down here. What's your favorite rom-com of all time?
2: Hmm. I mean, mm, I, I want to go with say anything. I want to go kind of like eighties somewhere in there. Um, but I think beautiful girls is probably the number one for me.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All
2: right. I honestly don't even know if that qualifies as a rom com necessarily. It's more of like a group. Well, com. think about
0: think about the formula. You got a couple. They go through trials. They got family that gets in the way a little bit, and then they mm-hmm. end up together in the end. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I, I Pretty Woman is fantastic. Love Pretty Woman. Yeah, or, there you go. You there know. You go. Yeah. Uh, that's and then one. there's one called something it's, it's, um, it's Hugh Grant. And I mean, Hugh Jackman and, um, uh, Meg Ryan and it's, uh, in time and it's, uh, something I can't
0: remember the name of it. I thought you were talking about the Hugh Jackman and Ashley Judd one. <laughs> yeah. Something I'm weird. a big
1: fan of that movie.
0: I love that movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a great movie. Yeah, Hugh Jackman has some very under underrated, um, wrote rom-coms he really does
0: well uh my favorite rom-com of all time is Notting Hill before it used to be Mm -hmm. Sleepless in Seattle uh but it just right now it's it's Notting Hill and having visited the Notting Hill location and the Blue Door and they've all kind of uh, embraced that movie and it's really kind of funny to see all the the uh tourists kind of go around and find the Blue Door which you can it's there uh and this one here, I'm sorry, what's that, Lacey?
2: My dad grew up there. My dad grew up yes. playing with doing his little boat in the little pond right outside the blue door.
0: Yeah, it's it's a beautiful location. My wife used to live in London for a while for about seven years from like the late nineties to around two thousand I think it was seven, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And she had spent time there. She was familiar with the area. Uh, but when it comes to Wimbledon, I got to say it's definitely in my top three. It's, I, I got to kind of really look at that genre a little bit more because I love rom-coms. I mean, come on, I'm a Hallmark you know, guy. So <laughs> it, it it's in my blood and, and I love it. When I find these movies, great escapes. And I love, I love the hap seeing the couple end up together, finding out how they get there is a good thing. But I find it funny that, my favorite rom-coms are both filmed in and around London.
1: Mm. <laughs> Kyle. Uh just, uh, the Hugh Jackman, Ashley Judd movie we were talking about with someone like you.
2: Right. Someone and like the, you. Yep. The one where it's with, with it's uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Meg Ryan. It's, it's, it's he tra- she travels back. And it's
0: they- Lee. It's, 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 it's Kate and Leopold. Kate, yeah,
2: Kate and you, Leopold. Kate yeah. and Leopold.
0: Yes. Yeah. The time, the one where he time travels uh, into yeah. current day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Double, yeah. Um, I need to see that again. That was a cute film. And I remember.
2: did love two weeks notice. That's another fun one. It's a Hugh Grant kind of fun. Sandra Bullock, Hugh Grant.
0: The one, the one that's getting a lot of tread for me and my wife. And you brought up Ryan Reynolds is the proposal.
2: Yes. That's a good one. Yes.
0: That one is just becoming high on my rewatch list. And I, I think it's getting a second buzz because of that. It's, it's very rewatchable. It's a, it's a great film. So, all right, guys, um, just, one final comment about this, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Lacey, your final thoughts on Wibbleton.
2: If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have seen it, watch it again. Enjoy. There you go. I <laughs> love it. Kyle.
1: It's a great movie to watch on a Valentine's Day. It's Watch it with somebody you care about. It's going to make you both feel good. Put a smile on your face and make you feel the love.
0: You know, I'm glad you said that, Kyle, because when you first recommended this film for Valentine's Day, I never really considered it a Valentine's Day movie, but why not? It's, it, you know, it's it's a good movie to watch when you're not with someone, and it's a good movie to watch when you're with someone. And sometimes when you're not with someone, you just need a good movie to escape with and uh, live vicariously through others. And that's one of the reasons why I love films, because I do that often. Uh, That's why I love going to movies alone. I can, you know, just jump into the moment and lose myself for a couple hours, and this is definitely one of those films, and it's one of the most charming films, uh, romantic comedies that I personally enjoy for so many reasons. Uh, Well, guys, this is the Fandom Podcast Network. You are uh, watching and or listening to Wimbledon 2004, celebrating its 20th anniversary. And we're doing that here on the Fandom Podcast Network. And, of course, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Uh, Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. We'd appreciate that. Share it out. Give us a like. We'd appreciate that. Maybe comments, too. Uh, You can find our master feed for all of our audio podcasts on podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. And uh, please look for us on all the major podcast platforms, of course, podcast iTunes. Uh, We're also on Facebook, Fandom Podcast Network. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. And Fandom Podcast Network is also on Instagram and X. My name is Kevin Reitzel. I am on X, Instagram, and Threads at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Kyle, where can we find you?
1: Don't choke. Don't choke. You got this. Don't choke. Oh, well, uh, um, uh, you, 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 you can find me on X at a W. You can find me on Instagram and Threads at a Fandom, And you can also find me walking into strangers' hotel rooms and finding them in shower scenes but they're never giving me quite the smiling face not creepy
0: I mean. at all kyle not creepy yeah. at all
1: <laughs> <about to>
0: <laughs> lacy uh thank you so much and of course we as i mentioned last time i'm going to say it again i always appreciate uh you joining us and appreciate your movie knowledge and uh i'm so grateful that you're with us here on the fandom podcast network where can people find you if they wish
2: uh, well, I, I'm on Facebook and uh, Instagram, Lacey Pants, and awesome. uh, I just signed up. Um, uh, somebody got me to sign up for uh, Blue Sky. Blue Sky. That's the yes. new one. I have yep. no idea what I'm doing. So probably not. Don't follow me yet. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, yeah, so that's, I think that's, there's the only spots other than on here, you know, with you guys. So wait, wait,
1: can we, can we see what the queen of movie food is watching on letterbox?
2: Oh yeah, I'm on letterbox. Um, I am woefully behind with adding things to letterbox right now. I actually have like a whole set of them that I, a whole stack that I need to scan in. Um, but, uh, yeah.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Fandom Podcast Network on Valentine's Day for Wimbledon. Uh, Such a wonderful film. If you haven't seen it, please do. Please share it out. Let people know. Let people know about this podcast. And please, as I said, please follow us on uh, YouTube. Uh, Again, my name is Kevin. I'd like to thank my co-host here, Kyle. Thank you so much for, first of all, bringing this to the table. And Lacey, thank you so much for, as always, uh, for uh, being our co-pilot on the Fandom Podcast Network. And until Kevin, next time, oh yes, it,
1: it was my pleasure. But I also too need to say it is time to end this podcast because I need to go got, get get some fish and chips.
0: You need to get some fish and chips. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do recommend getting nice fish and chips while you're in Brighton. It is really, really good. So, yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time, we will see you on the couch. Thank you and goodbye.